That deserves some applause, doesn't it? Yeah. Man, I didn't know Drew was that talented. He like switches shirts like that. In that. that was pretty awesome. But uh, well, anybody excited to be in church today? Dude, I am like super excited um, uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to stand up here and preach. And so I've been looking forward to that. I don't know, uh, maybe none of you have, but I have. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, also today I get to talk about one of my favorite topics and that is the topic of relationships and really the power of relationships. In fact, I, I believe that this is uh, probably one of the most key elements, relationships that impact our relationship or our walk with Christ. If you've uh, been around very long, you probably heard me say this before, but I, I think sometimes we need to be reminded of this. But following Jesus was never intended to be a solo sport. Never intended. You know, this whole idea, I don't know who came up with this, but this whole idea of just you and me, Jesus. You know, all I need is Jesus. That's not a biblical idea. Um, and in fact, one of the assumptions that is made all throughout the pages of Scripture, especially as you get into the New Testament when the New Testament church was established, is that this whole idea of following Jesus was intended to be done in the context of community. If you read through the Bible, again, especially through the New Testament, you look at the New Testament church, you'll never find a model of isolated Christianity. We, we were created to live relationally. That, that's why uh, when Jesus was asked, you know, somebody came to him and said, Hey, what is the greatest commandment? He gave a relational answer. He said, love God. In other words, be in relationship with God. And then he said, the second commandment is, is like it, and that's love other people. In other words, be connected to other people relationally. And so really, if you want to boil down what following Jesus is, kind of the bare minimum of what following Jesus is all about, it's all centered on the relationships that we have. First, our relationship with God, and then the relationships that we have with other people. And, and Jesus is a great example of this. I mean, think about this. Jesus very easily could have been like, okay, I have been given this mission. I have come to save and redeem a lost world. And so, you know, I, I, I've, I've come uh, to, do, to establish my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and I, don't, I don't really need anybody else. I mean, think, he, he's God, right? And so he could have done it all if he wanted to. He could have just gone out and done it all by himself. But that's not what he did, right? In fact, one of the very first things he did was he chose to align himself with a group of people. Peter, James, John, the, the, all of the disciples he gathered around. He had those three that were especially close to him. And he built relationships with them. And, and Jesus was like, you know what? I'm just going to lock arms with you guys. Um, you're going to be my people. This is who I'm going to choose to do life with. Now listen. If Jesus was God, and he is, and he felt the need to surround himself with others, then don't you think we probably need other people in our lives too? In fact, I, I don't think it's even a question of do we need other people. I, I think the real question is who are the people that we're going to align ourselves with? And maybe the bigger question is who are the people that we're going to allow or provide a platform of influence in our lives? We'll come back to that here in just a moment. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we began this series that we're calling Focus, and uh, I, I shared with you that I just, I believe that that's to be our word for the year, that we, it's just, this is a year of getting focused. In fact, I'm convinced that it's God's desire for us. I believe that God wants to do more in 2024 than he's ever done before. You, you can quote me on that. I really believe that. I believe that this, God wants this to be the best year ever for you and, and for us as a church 
But here's the deal. In order for it to be the best year ever, it's got to be the best year spiritually ever. And in order for it to be the best year spiritually that it's ever been, that doesn't just happen by chance. I mean, we've got to intentionally invest in the things that are going to cause it to be the best year spiritually ever. Spiritual things are no different than any other thing. Like, whatever, I don't know if we have any, anybody here that is really into financial investments, but you invest now with the hope that things are going to pay off later. And so spiritually, the same thing is true. There are some people who wonder, you know, why is God not doing anything in my life? Well, maybe you're not investing spiritually, Because when we invest, whatever we invest in will pay dividends in our lives. And so the only way for it to be the best year spiritually is we have to invest in spiritual things and our own spiritual development. And so what we've been doing over these past few weeks is we've just been trying to talk about a few ways that you can do that. And, and it begins by, we got to get focused. And so we talked about it, it begins by getting focused in our thinking, that, that sometimes we need to stop and we need to think about what we think about. We, we need to do that every once in a while. And, and, and the way that we, we do this and we invest and we focus on our thinking is that we need to follow the Apostle Paul's advice in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when he says that we take every thought captive and we bring it into submission to Christ Jesus. Every thought. We just think about what we're thinking about. And any thought that's taking up real estate in our minds that's not glorifying to God, any thought that would pull our hearts away from God, Paul says that we actually have been given the authority and the power to take those thoughts captive and bring them into submission to Jesus. And so the way that we do that is, you know, our greatest weapon is prayer. That when we think about what we think about and there are thoughts that are coming in that are not glorifying to God, thoughts that would pull us away from God, we can actually stop and pray in that moment and acknowledge, God, I'm having this thought about other people or having this thought about whatever. And, and, and God, I, and today in the power of Jesus' name, I am choosing to take that thought captive and bring it into submission to you. Now put your thoughts in my mind. Put your thoughts in my heart. And Scripture says we have not because we ask not. And so we can actually ask for those things. What we're talking about here is really training our minds, teaching our minds how to think. And, And Scripture says that there are things that we are to think about, you know, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is pleasing. We can dwell on those things. We can entertain. We can feed those things. And then, wasn't last week good? Man, I thought last week was great, man. Pastor Brad preached probably what I think is one of the most practical messages on the words that we speak, focusing on our words that I've heard in a long time. In fact, if you missed last week, I I highly encourage you to go back and watch it because it was just very, very practical about not only how important the words that we speak are, but how we can actually make sure that the words that we speak encourage and build up and elevate and reflect Jesus. The writer of Proverbs says that our tongues actually yield the power to bring life or death. I love the Good News translation. It says, it says what you say can preserve life or destroy it. And then this is, this is something. Says so, so you must accept the consequences of your words. So, some, you know, when I said we need to think about what we think about, sometimes, and Brad talked about this, we need to think about what we talk about. Some of us know what we're going to say when we say it. <laughs> Apparently, a lot of us in here, because that one, like, yeah, we we discover. I mean, it just comes out, and it's like, oh, that's what I'm thinking. We, we, we need to, to take uh, ownership of that and focus on it. And so uh, we're going to continue this morning and, and wrap things up with the, in this idea of focus. Uh, and, and I want to I focus in on one other area that I think is very important that we focus our attention on. And that is in the area of our relationships. In other words, I believe 
that we need to be very intentional. And, and I, don't, I don't use this word a lot because normally I'm telling people don't be so guarded, but I think, I think we need to be very guarded in, in many ways about the people that we allow to speak into and influence our lives. Because, because remember, they will either, yeah, good, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody liked that. Um, they, those, those people will either speak life over you or they'll speak death over you. This is a real deal. I've got three truths that I want to give you this morning surrounding this idea of relationships and influence. The, the first one is this. I want you to know that whether you recognize it or not, that you are easily influenced. Did you know? We all are. The reality is that all of us are easily influenced. We may not always recognize it, but the truth is all of the time we are being influenced by somebody or something, every waking moment of our life. You, you are being shaped by the people that you surround yourself with. You're being shaped by, by the music that you listen to. You're being shaped by your interactions on social media. You're being shaped by the evening news. All of those things shape us. We might call all of that culture. But, but all of those things have an influence, first of all, on our thinking, which winds up impacting our priorities, and, and then ultimately our decisions and our behavior. I think the story of Israel possessing the promised land perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about this morning in regards to the power of influence. And, and I'm sure most of us are familiar with their story that uh, for, for years uh, Israel has lived as slaves in Egypt and God comes and miraculously delivers the children of Israel and, and he gives them, he, he says, I'm going to fulfill this promise that actually I'd given clear back hundreds of years ago to your ancestor Abraham and the promise is this, is I want to bless you, I want you to be my people, I, I want to give you a land of your own that I have had in mind for you and I've promised for you and I've held for you. But the real crux of what God wanted to do is found over and over and over again. We see these words repeated all throughout the Old Testament. And what God really wanted to do, he says, and I will be your God and you will be my people and I will dwell among you. So again, it comes back to this idea of relationship, right? But what God wants, he, he really, what he wants more than anything is just to have a relationship with us. He, he wants us to, to make him our God and we will be his people. We'll trust him, we'll obey him, we'll follow him, we'll just be his people. And the result of that is he just wants to dwell with us. He wants to have this re, uh, intimate relationship with us. That's an incredible thought that we actually have been given, and it's his idea. It's his invitation, but we have been given the invitation to have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. That's what he wants. And so uh, this is his promise for Israel, and ultimately his promise for us. But before they go in to claim this promised land, he gives them this warning. He says, there's a danger that I want you to be aware of, and the danger is don't allow yourselves to be influenced by the people who currently live in the land and have no regard for God whatsoever. In fact, look at Deuteronomy chapter 12. God says this. He says, okay, I'm going to give you this land, but he says, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates, and, and, and he lists one of them. He says they even burn their sons and daughters in fire as sacrifices to their gods, and so he says you're going into this land, and there's going to be people who occupy it, and I don't want you to be influenced by them because they do all these detestable things, and probably the most detestable is they actually sacrifice their own children to their own false gods. 
Well, we'll jump over to Psalm 106. We're told that the children of Israel did not do what God told them to do. Instead, it says that they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshiped their idols, which became a snare to them. And then watch this. And they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was desecrated by their blood. So there's a pattern here that I want you to recognize. I want you to notice that, first of all, it began, they allowed the people to have influence or the culture to have influence over them. They mingled with the people. And then that led to the influence of those individuals on their own thinking. They adopted their customs. And then because they allowed influence, it first impacted their thinking, which influenced then their behavior and led them into doing what I would guess they never, ever imagined that they would ever, ever do when God first gave them this instruction, sacrificing their own sons and their own daughters to these false idols. And this, that led to the most tragic things, I think is because they allowed themselves to be more influenced by the culture that they lived in than by God, it caused this separation between them and God, and it wound up leading them right back into captivity, right back in the place where God's heart for them was, I want to give you freedom. I want to have you walk in freedom, and so follow my ways, which I want you to understand this. Sometimes view, sometimes people view the commands that God gives, the instructions that God gives as restrictive. Like, like what? God doesn't want us to have any fun. That's not it. It's for freedom's sake. It's for freedom. He said, I came to set you free. And this is what's going to keep you in freedom. And the very things that you think, or I can do what I want to do, and I can live this way, and I can do these things, those are the things that are going to lead you into captivity. So they were influenced by the culture. It changed their thinking. It impacted their behavior and ultimately led to this separation between them and God and led them right back into captivity. Write write this down. The influence you allow in your life will lead you to places that you never ever imagined. That's a true statement right there. The the influence that you allow in your life will lead you to places that you never imagined. Now, fortunately, this is just as true for good influence as it is for bad influence. You, You see, the right influence that we allow in our lives will lead you to greater things than you ever, ever imagined. The writer of Proverbs says it like this in in Proverbs chapter 13. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. Oh, but then he says this, associate with fools and get in trouble. Anybody want to testify to that, man? (laughs) See, the reality is that all of us are easily influenced. And so who we allow to influence us, it really does matter. It's such a powerful thing. In fact, um, I want you to look at the definition of that word influence. According to the dictionary, influence, by definition, is the power to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of somebody else. This this is so incredible because what this means is, is the people that we choose to surround ourselves with, the books that we choose to read, the music we choose to listen to, our entertainment choices, all of that stuff, everything that we choose to allow into our lives, what we are doing, we are actually giving a certain amount of power away that winds up impacting our character, our development and our behavior. That's good preaching, Doug. I like that, yeah. That's true. You've probably heard this quote before. Jim Rohn famously said this. He said, uh, you are the average of the five people that you spend most, the most time with. Not, not you'll become, you are. Think about the five people that you spend most of your time with. You are the average of those five people. 
See, what I'm trying to help you understand is that who we surround ourselves with truly matters because it has a huge impact on what we think, how we talk, and ultimately how we live our lives. I I remember uh, when I was probably eight or nine, something like that, I, I had this friend, his name was Kent, and Kent became my best buddy growing up. I mean, we were friends all the way through grade school, uh, through high school. He was my uh, roommate in college, and uh, I, was, I wound up being in his wedding. He was in my wedding. In fact, uh, Kent and his wife, Brenda, were actually the ones who set Laura and I up. Yeah, and uh, we went on a double date with them, and uh, we went bowling because I'm super romantic like that. But, but, but Kent had a huge influence, obviously, on my life. And uh, as kids, he, he always, he still does, he lived out on a farm. His family were farmers, and I always grew up in town. And so I always thought, man, it is so cool to go out on the farm. I love being out in the country still, but it was so cool to get to go out to his house. And for me, growing up as a city kid, it was awesome on the farm because you didn't have to follow all of the rules that you had to follow in town. You know what I'm talking about. You guys are farmers. You know that or grew up on a farm. But for instance, you know, I remember when I was like nine years old that uh, I got to drive a pickup truck for the very first time at nine years old. The steering wheel was like right up here like this. <laughs> but I, I'll never forget uh, they, Kent's dad, they were going to drop off a tractor or something. And so he grabbed me and he said, I'm going to drive the tractor. I want you to follow me in the truck and that way I'll have a ride back. And so he, he gave me, my lesson was this. He said, pull this thing down until it goes in D. And he said, then if you, if you push that pedal, it'll make it go. If you push that one, it'll make it stop. And uh, if it looks like you're going to hit something, turn this thing. And that was my lesson. And, and then he just turned me loose. And I was driving. And it was awesome. I loved it. And so, you know, and I got to drive tractors and three-wheelers. Man, this way before four-wheelers. That's dating myself. But we, we rode three-wheelers and eventually dirt bikes and all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and one of the other things, there was no speed limit, out, apparently. There's no speed limit in the country. The speed limit was how fast will it go was the speed limit. And it was amazing. Only by the grace of God did we survive. But anyway, uh, at Kent's house... They had this massive yard. They had Kent's family lived in a house here, and then there was this massive yard. In my mind, I imagine it to be about the size of a football field, but you know how it is when you're kids. I'll probably get there, and it's like this big, but, <laughs> but it seemed massive to me. They had this yard, so his house was here. His grandparents lived here, and they had this sidewalk that connected the two houses. Actually, the sidewalk went, and some of you guys were, there was a, a burn pit there where they would burn their trash, a big old tractor tile or tire uh, rim that you would throw your trash in. But then their house was there. So there was this long sidewalk. And uh, one, one, one weekend, I got to spend out at Kent's house, and we went to the Buffalo County Fair, and I got to go to the demolition derby for the very first time. And so, man, what kid especially a boy, wouldn't love a demolition derby. I mean, smoke and dust and loud engines and cars crashing into, like three hours of that. It was like, I thought I was in heaven. And uh, so we, we went, I spent the night at Kent's house. The next morning we got up and I don't remember who had this bright idea, but uh, one of us, Kent had a couple of old bikes and one of us said, hey, we ought to take, there was, we had access to, we, apparently we were not supervised at all, is the moral <laughs> of this story, but uh, we, we, had, we had some paint, spray paints, and we ought to paint these bikes to look like demo cars. And so we spray paint the bikes, you know, and we let them dry, kind of. And uh, then somebody, uh, again, I think, I think it was Kent, because I'm way too smart for this, but, but one of us had the idea... Um, you know, these bikes are painted like demo cars. And um, why don't we have our own demolition derby? And I'm sure it was Kent again, but, but I, 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 I said I, I wasn't the dumb one, but I am the easily influenced one. I was like, dude, I'm in. Let's do this thing. And so he gets at one end of the sidewalk 
and I get at the other end of the sidewalk and I start pedaling with everything within me and he starts pedaling with everything within him and let's just say when we got to the middle, we learned a valuable lesson. (laughs) That what the writer of Proverbs said really is true. Those who walk, or in our case, ride with fools, (laughs) trouble always follows. I, I, uh, I, I wish I could tell you that that's the last stupid thing that we did. Uh, in fact, I'm not even going to tell you what we did after we went to the rodeo. <clears throat> or the motocross race. Or the circus. Or, you know, lots of other things. Uh, but my point is that who you choose to hang out with ultimately will influence and impact your life. Now, now, three really quick things about influence. I, I want to answer this question really up front about, Doug, are you, are you saying that, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you hang out with? I mean, are, are you saying, or Doug, let me, let me rephrase that. Doug, are you saying that it matters so much who you hang out with that you should only hang out with, like, church people? That you shouldn't hang out with Christians? Absolutely not. See, see, what I'm saying is this, is that who you allow the primary influence in your life will speak. Really, probably the question you need to ask when it comes to influence is the people in my life, especially those who don't know Jesus, am I a bigger influence on them or are they a greater influence on me? See, it's really an issue of, of, of proximity, you know, who am I, am I careful about who, again, I allow to be the closest to me who are going to speak into my life the greatest things? Because, again, we all we have the power to speak life and death. Who, who am I going to be the clo- Who am I going to spend the most time with? I mean, where do I? Jesus, again, he, he hung out with the disciples. Like, they, they, like, did life together. They traveled together. They went everywhere together. Who am I going to allow the, the closest proximity. Who am I going to allow to, 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 to be with me the most frequent? And who am I going to allow to have the strongest? Which of us is going to have the strongest influence? We need to, we need to think about those three things. Um, and, and I think we need to ask ourselves again this question of who's influencing who? Which, which of us has the greater influence? Am I Am I using the influence that God has given to me to draw them or point them closer to Jesus, or is their influence influence having a greater impact and pulling me further away from Jesus? Who's influencing who? If you're a note taker, write this down. When God wants to bless your life, often he does so through relationships that he sends into your life. See, see God, God wants to use other people to help you grow. He, he wants to use other people to bless you. He wants to use other people to pray over you. He wants to use other people ultimately to help you to become more and more like him. And we've talked about this before. The way that God uh, typically chooses to work in the world is he has deliberately chosen to work through other people. That's how he works. That's his mode of operandi. But guess what? The enemy works the same way. In fact, write this down. When the enemy wants to distract you or derail you, oftentimes he'll do it through the relationships that he sends into your life. Right? Which leads us to point number two. Good influences will draw you closer to Jesus. Bad influences will pull you away from Jesus. Now, again, we're talking about the primary voices that we allow to speak into our lives because the reality is that there's no neutral position on this. That the people we surround ourselves with will either help draw us closer to Jesus or they'll point us away from him. 
This is an issue that Paul deals with lots of times in the New Testament, and he, he writes about it in many of his letters. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, he warns the believers there. He says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. Now, what he's talking about here is that there were those who were in the church who were trying to influence these new Christians by convincing them, you know, it doesn't really matter how you live your life. Just, just do whatever it is you want to do. You, can do. you can live however you want to live because ultimately what they were trying to convince him of is that there was no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. And so if there's no resurrection, that means there's no eternity, there's no heaven. So why does it matter how you live your life? And just live for today. Live for whatever feels good, whatever you want to do. And so Paul says, don't be fooled by these false teachings, don't be influenced by them. And then he gives them this warning. He says, for bad company corrupts good character. See, he's, he's dealing with the, this, this issue of influence. He deals with the same thing in the book of Titus. Titus is a, a pastoral letter written to this guy, Titus, who Paul had left on the Isle of Crete after one of his missionary journeys, and he had established this church in Crete, and he leaves Titus there to help uh, grow the church and to teach the church. And, and in his letter, he's addressing this big problem that had developed within this church in Crete, which ultimately is centered on the fact that these people in this church were allowing their culture to have more of an influence on their lives about, you know, it had more of an influence on how they thought, how they behaved than the gospel did. And the result was, which is always the result when this happens, these, these early believers, rather than reflecting Jesus, being a testimony for Jesus, the truth is when you looked at their lives, it didn't look any different than anybody else who, who didn't know anything about Jesus. I read this, this great quote this last week. Um, last week, Pastor Brad mentioned the fact that as a staff, we're, we're working our way through Rob McCorkle's book, um, Life and Death, The Power of Words. And uh, in it, Rob is, is talking about uh, imparting grace. And, and he talks about how that we have been saved by grace and he made this statement that just grabbed my heart. I haven't been able to get away from it. He says this. He says, true grace will produce an inward change that is always manifested with outward evidence. In other words, if we've truly experienced the grace of God in our lives internally, then the reality is the people around us ought to recognize the fact that we have encountered something. They may not understand what it is, but it ought to be reflective in our behavior. He, he goes on to say, he says, you cannot be given grace and no one know about it. It's not a stealth bestowment. There will always be fruit and evidence that you personally have been touched by grace. And, and so, see, the, the problem for these Christians is that they have been given this message of grace, but rather than allowing that message to transform them into the image of Christ, instead they just continue to conform to the pattern of the world. Now, now I think that should cause us, in, in, in the context of our culture, to ask ourselves a very important question. And that question is this, what does my life reflect more. When, when, I, when I honestly examine my life, what does it reflect more? What am, I, what am I more influenced by? The values, the morals, the priority of the culture that I live in? I mean, when other people look at my life, does it look the same as everybody else? Or am I actually allowing the influence of the gospel to transform me? And am I becoming more and more and more a reflection of Jesus. For these early Christian Christians, Paul says, man, you're no different than anybody else. 
And, 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 then he, and then he describes what they are. He says this in, uh, he says this, he says, even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said this about them. The people of Crete are all liars, uh, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. And Paul's like, same inside the church as it is outside the church. That's y'all. I'll say it again. There's no neutrality. Who and what we allow to influence us will either draw us closer to Jesus or pull us away from him. Listen, here's, here's how you can identify good influences from bad. Just, just do this. Ask yourself the simple question. Does this person, does this movie, does this television show, this song, does it help me love God and love other people more or not? Does it help me honor God and honor other people more or not? And if the answer is no, then that tells us that's probably not something that's worth taking up real estate in our lives. All right, number, number three, we, we need not only to evaluate who and what we allow to hold influence on our lives, but, but we need to also recognize and utilize the power of the influence that God has given to us. He has made us, in Matthew, Jesus talks about this. He says, very famous passage of scripture, he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Not, I want you to become that. He says, you already are that. Salt and light impact everything they come in contact with. And Paul says, that's how you are. The question is not, are you an influence? The question is, how are you using your influence? And so we need to ask ourselves, what kind of influence am I as people watch my life? As I speak into those who I'm connected to, am I pointing people towards Jesus? Or is the reality I'm living in such a way that would cause them to be drawn away from Jesus? See, whether you recognize it or not, people do watch the way you live your life. And, and, and for those of us who profess to be followers of Jesus, if there is nothing that is any different between how we live our lives, the, the words that we use, the jokes that we tell, the jokes that we laugh at, the movies that we watch, the music that we live. If there's no difference in the way that we live our lives than how everybody who has no regard for Jesus in their lives lives, listen, that says something about Jesus to the people around you. It's saying if, it doesn't, if Jesus doesn't make any difference in your life, it communicates that Jesus doesn't make a difference. If you don't talk any different. You use the same language. If your priorities aren't any different, if, if your goals are the same, if you chase after the same stuff, if, if, again, it's about investments. If all of your investments are about you and you're not investing anything in his kingdom, that says something to the people around you. Um. Years ago, I, I worked uh, in the roofing industry. I was a roofer and did that for actually about 17 years, worked for different roofing companies. And we were down in Kansas City, and there were a couple guys that I worked with. And, and all three of us, we attended the same church. Uh, we were all in the same small group, all three of us publicly professed to follow Jesus. None of us were shy. We, we talked about Jesus. The people we came in contact knew that we professed to be followers of Jesus. And uh, one of the guy, uh, his name's Mike, he actually owns, uh, I, I think he's retired now and, and his son runs it now, but it was one of the largest residential roofing companies in Kansas City. And God had really blessed him and his, his business. And Mike really believed, he held to the conviction that the reason that God had blessed him was so that he could bless other people. And so he did that. I mean, he was always helping somebody with food or shelter. They were, they were heavily, his family, they were heavily involved in a, a, a crisis pregnancy center. And they always had somebody that they were helping in their home. 
In fact, I remember one time that Mike actually bought, I, don't, I think it was something like 10 cars from an auction, um, and he gave them all away. And he, he bought them, actually, because he knew he was constantly coming in contact with people, a single mom or somebody who needed transportation, and so Mike would just give them a car. And uh, when it came to his company on the job, Mike was not afraid to share his faith. I saw him on more than one occasion praying with homeowners, visiting with homeowners about Jesus. But I, I think what probably spoke the most about who Mike was and who he followed was that whenever there was an issue on the job, Mike was very intentional in that he always wanted to reflect Jesus. That's really where the rubber hits the road, right? When things get, when everything's good and things are going our way, it's easy to reflect Jesus. But when things don't go our way or in our favor, that's where the rubber meets the road. And, and, and I, I remember uh, Mike, Mike was so intentional of that that, that even, even times when a customer was being unreasonable in their expectations or what they thought had taken place, he never wanted to be a poor reflection on Jesus. And so Mike would always go the extra mile. In fact, one time, one of his sales guys had bid this job as a big roof, and he had mismeasured the roof. And so he had shorted this job, bid it like about, uh, by about 1,500 square feet of roofing materials. And so 15 squares, that's a lot of money. And so they get halfway through the job, and they run out of materials, and uh, Mike's notified, and rather than going back to the homeowner and saying, man, we made a mistake, we underbid the project, and so you're going to owe us like $5,000 more than we told you we would do this job for. Instead, he went to the homeowner, and he said, hey, we did make a mistake, but I want you to know we're going to honor our word, what we said we would do. And, and we said that we would do it for this price, and so we're going to follow through with that, uh, with what we said we were going to do, and we're going to stick to the price we committed. And, and I don't know anybody else who would do that. that. That roof wound up costing the company to do. There was no profit on that roof. But can I just tell you that the integrity that Mike showed in that moment wound up having a massive impact on the homeowner? It opened up the door for some spiritual conversations like, why, why, are you for real, man? <laughs> and it left no doubt in their mind that this guy was the real deal. There's something different about this guy. By, by the way, it also led to a lot of recommendations. <laughs> led to a lot more business. Because people knew that this was a guy who wasn't going to take advantage of them. That this was the guy who was going to follow through with his word, that what he said he would do, he would do. My, my other buddy, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he was, he was really driven to make money. I mean, really driven. I actually worked for him for, for a very short while. And uh, if something didn't go his way, especially if it was going to cost him, this guy had a temper, man, that would not quit. And he would get so angry. And on more than one occasion, he would lose his temper. I, I witnessed with a, with a homeowner or an employee. In fact, one time, he, was, he got so angry with an inspector that came to inspect a job that we were doing. And they got in such a heated argument, I had to physically get in between the two and be like, wait, oh, whoa, wait, <laughs> wait a second. And, and this inspector earlier on the job, heard my friend talk about Jesus, claimed to follow Jesus. Any, any guesses on what kind of an influence it had on that inspector? He, he literally said, man, if that's what being a Christian is all about, then you can have it. Power of influence. You, you see, friends, what we do especially outside of here. I mean, it's great to come here. We need to come here. It's great to lift our hands and praise Jesus and proclaim Jesus and declare Jesus and love on each other. And we need to do those things. It's valuable because what it's doing is that's an area of influence in our lives. Hopefully it's influencing us. But what it's influencing us for 
And so when we go out into our day-to-day lives and, 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 and we live our lives in our coming and in our going, that we reflect the nature of Jesus Christ in us. Because that speaks volumes to people way more. The words that we say are important, but the way we live our lives are so more important. So let me do this. Again, I want to make this real practical. How can we focus on being intentional about the kind of influence that God wants to be, us to be? I'm gonna, real quick, I'm going to give you four things. And Brian, I'll invite you to come because we're going to go through this real quick. But the first one is this. No surprise, pray. Everything begins with prayer. And so begin by seeking God's guidance, asking for opportunities and ways to use our influence for his glory. Pray that he would show you the people in in your life who he has placed there for the specific reason of you speaking into and influencing their lives. Pray that you would recognize those opportunities. Every morning when you wake up, begin by praying, Lord, as you pray for everything else, just pray, Lord, give me the opportunity to reflect you some way today. Bring somebody across my path that I can have an influence on, that I can point them to you, that I can show them how good you are and how loving you are and how much you care for them. Just give me an opportunity today. And Lord, then help me to recognize when it comes. And can I warn you that most of the time when you do that, it will come and on the surface, it'll appear like an interruption or an inconvenience when the reality is it's just simply an answer to your prayer. It's it's a divine appointment. And so we pray, number two, be intentional. Again, that's really what this is all about is that you know most good things that happen in our lives don't happen by accident. They happen by intentionality. This really goes back to what Pastor Brad talked about last week. Be intentional about the words that you speak. Here, here's a good practice. Maybe think about what you're gonna say before you actually say it. Ask the question, is this, is this something that I really need to say? If I do, what kind of an impact is it going to have? Is it going to bring glory to God? If not, maybe it doesn't need to be said. Be intentional. Not just about the words that you speak, but intentionally look for the opportunities to make a tangible impact in somebody's life. How can I add value to somebody's life today? Is there some way in the interactions that I have throughout the day with my family, with my friends, with my coworkers, when, when we walk away from each other, do they walk away feeling like, wow, I just feel like I've been encouraged, I've been given hope, I feel better about myself, I have a better concept that God loves me. They just added value to me. Or when they walk away, do they feel drained? Let's be intentional about that. Number three, remember your influence ultimately is a gift from God. And since it's a gift from God, see, Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. There's expectations that go along with that. But but we remember ultimately it's come from him that he has invited us into his mission of redeeming and restoring a lost and broken world. And that ultimately what he wants to do is to work through us to impact the life of somebody else. In other words, we need to remember this, and this ought to take a lot of the weight off, is that it's not about us, we're just a vessel for God to be able to move and do And so we trust that in those situations when we ask, Lord, would you help me to add value to somebody's life today? That when we get in those situations, that he'll actually give us the words to speak that will actually do that. See, that's how we're intended to live our lives. Last one. The most powerful, influential tool that you have is your own transformed life most powerful tool that you have. I've already touched upon that. Our words matter. But what's even more powerful than the words that we speak is when we live our lives in such a way that it actually matches up with the words that we speak. One of the most damaging things is when that doesn't happen. When there's a disconnect between what we say and how we actually live our lives. 
And so do we live in such a way to where our lives are a testimony that, that I, I don't remember now who, who said it, but it was, it was something to the effect of, uh, help me, do you know what I'm talking about, Brad? No, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. No. To, 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 something to the effect of to share your testimony and sometimes use words. I know I've just misquoted that. Carly would know it, but that's the crux of it. Live your testimony. Sometimes use words. Let the way that you live your life be the greatest testimony that you have. And so, Father, as we stand this morning, we get ready to leave this place. My prayer for myself is the same that I pray over every person who is in this place, is that you would help us to actually live out what you have done and are doing in us. That that we would live in such a way to where, first of all, that we have an intimate relationship with you where you really have come and, and are transforming us and remaking us into the people that you created us and destined us to be. And if there's anyone in this room, anyone who is within the sound of my voice that is joining us online and they've never entered into that kind of relationship with you where you have become the forgiver of their sins, the leader of their lives, I pray in this moment that they would take that step of faith and just in the quietness of their own heart say, Jesus, I receive you today. I I confess that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior. And so I ask that you would touch me with your grace, that you would save me, you would change me, begin to transform my life, renew my thinking, surround me with people who are gonna draw me closer to you and, and help me to be wise about the ones who would draw me away. Father, I pray that prayer over each and every one of us. Let us be very intentional, first of all, about who the primary voices are that we allow to speak into our lives. I pray that you would surround us with people who would pray over us, who would challenge us, who would speak your word over us, who would encourage us, who would speak hope over us. And I pray that you would help us to be the same kind of people. That we would just, everywhere we go, we would bring value. That when we walk away, people would be better because we were in contact with them than than before. And so, Lord, I pray that today. Use us. Help us. Lord, I believe that you want to do more in 24 than you've ever done before. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to invest in the things that will make that happen. We pray all these things today in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.